Moyen, Scott Brown here from Let's Talk Sport RTL today. Radio and Studio 4 in Kirchberg, the home of Let's Talk Sport. It's show number 106. And this evening, I've got a, a stand-in co-host in Aaron Lemon. Let me hear that accent of yours, Aaron. How's it going? Well, I boot. Yeah, OK. Unfortunately, Nathan's not here, but I've got Aaron, who's one of my colleagues at St George's School. So we'll hear a little bit about that later on. It is the 18th of June. Um, it is hot, hot, hot. We're, uh, I think we're praying for rain at the moment. Very uh, privileged to also be joined by Kareem, Caroline and Christoph from Rugby Club Terre Rouge. Um, and we're going to hear about their journey, how it started, where it's going and hopefully where we'll end up to. Um, as always, towards the end of the show, we'll have Anthony Perez join us and he'll bring us up to speed with uh, yesterday's national team match with the FLF and also what's going on in the transfer news of the BGL League. Um, we've obviously got our interview with uh, Rugby Club Terre Rouge. Um, we've got a, quite a big segment on what's going on with the Live Golf PGA takeover. We've got the US uh, Open um, and then a spot of cricket. Um, Aaron, let's start things off here. 30 seconds about yourself. Okay. Um, clearly, I choose my friends very carefully and that's how I'm in your company this evening. Um, I'm just happy you've called me a friend, actually. Yeah, yeah, go yeah. On. it's always nice, isn't it? Um, been, so I've been here for almost four years now, um, teaching in St. George's and it's been, yeah, it's been a really wonderful time. Um, and I am in charge of sport in secondary at the school. And I guess that's how we met and how we've hopefully started to develop things there. And golf, that would be your... Your niche, is it? Yeah, I mean, when I got here, I started playing a lot more golf, having stopped playing football and just kind of like put all the time that I used to put into football into golf and became a sort of secondary obsession. Well, Aaron, we'll obviously uh, get a bit more into... If you're going to say like golf, what would you say? Because if it was like football or swimming, I'd say we'll dive into the golf. What would you say? What would be the the terminology or the jargon I would use if I'm going to talk about golf? Chip. Chip, chip in with the golf. No, nah, it's not aggressive enough, is it? No. Nah. Drive into it? Yeah, drive into yeah, it. I love it. I love it. Too aggressive. Um, as I said, we're joined this evening by Kareem, Caroline and uh, Christoph from Rugby Club Terre Rouge. Now, i am uh, obviously got a few questions I'm going to ask you, but I want you to start talking about where the name Terre Rouge, because just before we came online, you started talking about it. It got me very, very excited. So yeah, go. Rugby Club Terre Rouge. Rugby Club Terre Rouge has been founded in uh, 2017. The name uh, is uh, our brand. Uh, the, it's the um, the ore. Uh, uh, the iron ore. ore yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a big area from Rodange to Dudelange, and the other part in France is Longwy to Volmerange les Mines, les Mines, the mine. And um, that's the um, the ground is red when you dig the the soil. You yeah. Have red, uh, Land, the land is red, and uh, that's why we have a shirt and the suite in uh, red. Yeah, it's very interesting because I was obviously when we got into communication on Instagram, the fir- that's the first thing that came to my mind is why why is it that the name and why does the colour from? And when you, uh, I guess when you you take traditional football clubs, if you like, you know, let's take the Gunners for example, Arsenal. People won't like me talking about it, but there's a bit of history behind it. So hopefully further down the line in 20, 30 years we'll be talking about it and you'll still be able to to tell us uh, that story so Terre Rouge I'm putting on my French, French accent for this um, what year did um, did the club start in? The club started, sorry, the club started in 2017 and um, we are, since we made a priority to welcome and, and train young players enabling to them to develop not their only uh, sporting skills but also their uh, self-confidence determination and team spirits i mean obviously we're all from the the rugby family so we all know that rugby is the greatest sport in the world sorry about that aaron you can uh, prove me wrong when we talk about some golf later on um but um have you all been involved since 2017 or have you when when did you get involved only uh, since uh, one year. Oh, okay. Yes, I am the last uh, coach uh, of the team. Yeah. But, uh, yes, uh, they started uh, in two, 2017. Yeah. And after we we started with our children. Yeah. And after the the parents, and I am the last. Very good. And Kareem, when did you when did you get involved? I'm involved for two to about two years right now. Because okay. The, the COVID was the back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and yourself, Christoph? Just after the COVID. Okay, so <laughs> it's funny because we were in the car on the way up and we talked about how COVID was like, uh, you were sat down, um, sort of, you know, wondering what to do with yourself. He said golf was an easy one because it was probably one of the ones that the rules were relaxed uh, much more rapidly than other sports because you can just essentially go out for a walk on your own and get into it. Rugby obviously is a bit more different because not only is there 
where it doesn't have to have contact, but you're using the same ball and stuff like that. So we uh, we sort of get this. Um, what was your background? All to, this is to all three of you. What was your background? Did you did you play before you got went into the coaching? Yes, I played in uh, youths and yeah. in uh, Paris when I studied in Paris. Very good. What about yourself, Cream? Yeah, like, like Christopher, uh, when I was a student, I started to play rugby for uh, for several years. I played also in Paris because I started my career in Paris. Yeah, and when I was back there in Luxembourg, yeah, I wanted to continue and with a with a family club. Yeah. That's what Oh, very good. Very good. And what about you, Caroline? Did you, did you ever play? No? Never. So Never. I am only mother. Yeah. <laughs> but you've watched, you've watched plenty of rugby. Uh, sorry? Watched, you've uh, watched yes, plenty of yes, matches yes, and yes. stuff and like that. My husband likes, uh, the rib- likes rugby. And uh, so I, am, uh, I have no skill on the rugby, but I am um, working on this. We have a training also with, uh, um, with the NEPS. Yeah. And uh, also to have... Uh, a complete training for yeah. the rugby so in order to understand the the games and the rules yes, and stuff like yes, that yes. yeah fantastic for I mean me it's okay it's uh I'll, I'll just use my dad as an example here but for him it's an excuse to take my mum away you know because he's a diehard island fan so for, he says ah oh, we are going to Rome this weekend and she's like yeah <laughs> is it because Ireland are playing in Rome or you know if it's a Paris and stuff like that we 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 haven't really talked um about it a huge great uh, sorry a, a great amount but we've got the rugby world cup coming up um you know France France are obviously on a good, good, um, a good pathway at the moment, but it's going to be quite interesting because you've probably got four of the best team in the world are in the same side of the group. So the reality is you're not going to have the best teams. You know, you've got Ireland, New Zealand, South Africa and France are all going to have to play each other before the semi-finals. But that's not why we're here. We're here to talk about you. So um, you play, well, obviously you have the Lux League. And is that, how, how many times is that pr- played throughout the year for the juniors? Uh, the Lux League is uh, once a month. Yeah, once a month, and uh, from the U6 to the U12. 12, or, yeah, yes. 12. Yeah, uh, we organized three Lux League in the launch this yeah. year, and uh, in average we have um, we had 350 players. Yeah, plus the parents. Yeah, yes. and uh, hopefully the pitch survives, huh? Yeah, with the barbecue, la buvette. Huh? Yeah, it's yeah. Very important. Yeah, the, we, Aaron, we call it the uh, the troisième mi-temps. The third half in rugby is very, it's very, very important. You know, um, Kareem, you talked about unfortunately with rugby being a minority sport in Luxembourg. The reality is, if we want to go and get those fixtures, we have to travel a lot. So you're saying you're off to Belgium a lot of the time with with fixtures and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. For the teenager, it's different because uh, from the under fourteen to under eighteen, we got uh, three teams. Um, it's difficult to gather a fifteen person or more uh, to to have a match, and then, and we um, we got last year uh, an agreement with um, with uh, with the CSCE, yeah. and we were involved for the under eighteen in the French yeah. uh, championship, and for the under sixteen because I, I'm um, I'm managing under sixteen team, and we were involved in a, in the Belgium um, championship. Yeah, up to uh, Antwerp, so it's very far from. I mean, it's it's. Coming coming from the UK and obviously in France, it's a bit different because you've there's just so many more clubs and you know playing a, a regular fixture list where an away match may only be thirty minutes in the car is a is a big difference and hopefully we can we can get to that place. Christoph, you were talking to me about this project that's hopefully going to get launched your way. So can you you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, we have a project. It's a Ruby twenty twenty five. We have exchanged with the mayor Dan Biancalana of uh, Dudelange, yeah, to to be a pillar of the rugby in Luxembourg, and uh, we would like to settle uh, partnerships with the schools. We have uh, our head coach uh, Steve Ridolfi. He, he makes uh, trainings or show. He promote rugby in general in the in the um, in the schools in Dudelange. Yeah. And now we have with uh, Ecole Internationale Différentes in HLZ, uh, guy Matthew. Yeah, Matthew Dennis Soto, who w- w- we both know. Um, Matthew was teaching at St George's before he he worked there. I'm lucky enough to have played with Matt quite a few times as well. So you're in good hands. You know he'll uh, he'll certainly push the rugby there. But it's funny how. I mean, I, I, I can only compare this to the to the UK. It's a bit different out here, but I think if we can get more of the schools involved and then them all funneling players uh, into the club, it's sort of it's like the the next step below, which is only going to 
be be a better thing. And then hopefully you get too many players, and then they build you lots of pitches, and then a big clubhouse. And that's what we uh, that's what we'd all um, we'd all love to have. So I mean, is there in, in terms of is there a, is there a target in terms of playing numbers that you want to get from this project or? No, no, it's uh, first promote the rugby. Yeah, it's not evident in, uh, in Luxembourg because all the clubs are based in Lux City. Yeah, that's clearly a sport of expat, and uh, we are a local club with local people, players, and uh, I don't know them. We are uh, 50 players, something like that. Uh, the, the target is 100 yeah. members, but uh, very. Uh, Every Saturday, uh, hundred. Yeah, not just uh, on the paper. Yeah, and when it's when the weather's nice as well. Um, Caroline, you're obviously uh, you got involved because your little one is um, is uh, is obviously playing. You know, if I'm listening in, why? And uh, don't take this the wrong way, but tell me why I should get my my son, my little daughter, or my little boy involved in the rugby club. Why? Why should I do that? My first impression when uh, I started with my children, so first of all, it was my children uh, to this club. It's um, the, the, how you can say this? The family. Yeah. You, it's, it's the same uh, as at, at home. So it's uh, the coach. Uh, we are a big family and we see also after the rugby. And uh, it's, so you have this uh, impression and also the fun. Because it's not, I don't see uh, um, the the match directly with, uh, for example, below six years old. Because my daughter has below six years old, yeah. and it's more exercises with a lot of fun. And we have also the pause with um, cake for yeah. the children, for example. So it, uh, it's the same as yes, as uh, at home. I mean, obviously, I'm biased because I, you know, come from a rugby background as well. But if I ever would tell anybody to go and join a sports club it would probably be rugby why because the first time you go down there you're hopefully going to meet another 20 people who have something in common with you because they all come and play rugby and then if you do get to play a match if it's with 15 or with 12 people you're going to knock lumps out of the opposition and then you know have food with them afterwards so you have something you can relate to which is a massive part of it sorry to to chirp on you know the the downside of playing golf because it's a bit more of a of an individual sport um so Lux League finished yesterday at Josie Bartel. Yeah, we're finished with the weather. With yeah. quite good weather. Yeah. yeah. So the weather was warm down there. Josie Bartel, I mean, obviously it's not used as much, but it's still a cracking surface, isn't it? It's a very, very, very good pitch up there. Yeah. So did you, did we, uh, I say we, did you, was there any, did you win any trophies yesterday or did we have any good performances yesterday from some of the younger teams? Yeah, Christopher, Christopher is much more able to to talk about this part because he is in charge of the under ten. Okay, tell me about the under tens, Christoph. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we were awarded yesterday, but as every team for every team, it's not a big challenge like no. the world championship uh, with <laughs> the finalist and the, the winner. The best idea is uh, to play every child have uh, the medal. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's funny. I'm I teach in one of the French schools, and we're doing an uh, an athletics module at the moment. So six week blocks, all these athletics events. Um, and the f- I think the first time I ran it was about three years ago, and they were like, "Do we get a medal at the end of this?" And I'm like, "That's actually a really really good idea." So I uh, every year when we finish this module, I give them medals. And then one of them says to me, oh, it's not one of the plastic ones, is it? It's got to be, it's got to be one of the metal ones. But you know, that's, if, if that keeps them involved in sport, then, then that's a good thing. And you often find that we sort of, uh, the, the important age for, for children is that sort of under 10, 12 and 14, you know, if they're enjoying their sport at that age, they're much more likely to continue it. And it's, unfortunately we can't, we can't give the kids miracle grow to make the the progress a lot faster, but certainly keep doing what you're uh, what you're doing, and hopefully we'll uh, we'll see more and more children getting in uh, getting involved. Um, is that the season finished now? Yes, it will be closer to the summer. We will do the the barbecue on the on the July July first. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> Absolutely, maybe. In, uh, yeah. The summer party, yeah, the yeah. first July. Uh, two, we, we go for two or three beers, as we like to say, you know. <laughs> right? so it's an important part of it. And it, would there be like, uh, you will encourage all the parents uh, to come down? Yeah, to make a touch. We would like to settle a rugby touch, like yeah. in the RCL. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. popular, social. Yeah. For people who would like just make sport, move. Yeah. And uh, if we can hear uh, people for the touch, maybe the parents... If they, they have, have kids, kids. Yes. perfect. Yeah. Bring up kids, yeah, yeah. It's a great, it's a great way to market. And will you? So after that, will you take a break yeah. for the summer? Yeah. One month. Yeah. Oof. 
Okay, and then you know, I guess it's it's go again. So, do you have you have a team under sixes, eights, tens, twelves, and that's just you? But then, do you have is it is it an entente with uh, CSE for the older yeah, ones? Is it? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, under um, under twelve, it's the rugby school, and then we will uh, enter to the real competition. Um, the under 14, the under 16, and the under 18 was in a entente with a CSC last year. We were involved in two championships. Uh, for the under 14, it was in France, and for the under 16, under 18, it was in in Belgium. Yeah. And uh, we, we we need to uh, to have this entente because you said you, you told uh, that you said that sorry we got a difficulties to to keep the guys uh, because it needs more investment because uh, we got two training uh, during the week we got uh, all the all, all the time all the saturday off uh, because we have to travel to belgium but it's very 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 grateful and uh, very interesting to 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 meet other people other culture because belgium are different and and it's very very funny uh, for me as a trainer i like that yeah, yeah, I love that. With um, you, you, you spoke about your entente, so where you're working together with uh, with CSEE. Do you find that the 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 other clubs in Luxembourg are you know warming and receptive towards you you playing against them? I hope so. Yeah, yeah. we exchange some players with the Eagles. For yeah. Instance, yeah, 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 yeah. In Bridal, yeah. Um, very open-minded people. Yeah. The, um, train the coach. Yeah. President. Um, I mean, that's often the biggest thing, isn't it? If you can get people who are on the same on the same page um, as you and want to, you know, just ultimately put, you've got to put your egos aside and it's just about getting as many people playing sport. I think that's the biggest thing, isn't it? Exactly. We need to bring people to play rugby together. The idea for us is to promote the rugby in Luxembourg, not only for the club, but for sure, if you are living in the south of the country, you will not go far away to play rugby. No. You will come to, to play to our clubs. But the idea is to promote rugby in Luxembourg. I mean, that, that's that's a big thing. It's uh, You sort of take it for granted. But obviously, if you live in somewhere in the south, logically, it makes sense to go and play at the local sports clubs, you know, and hopefully it is rugby. Um, just a couple other things to finish up here. Um, is there any anybody, do you have any big sponsors or people who are big supporters from outside the, the rugby circle who are helping? No, unfortunately. No? Okay, so we're, we're, look, we're, 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 looking for, we're looking for sponsors down that neck of the woods. I mean, anybody interested in getting involved, what they're doing down there is a, you know, is a fantastic thing. So, um, you know, my, uh, I'll give you props to all of you, you know, keep doing what you're doing and obviously getting more and more younger people involved in, uh, in sport is a, uh, is a big thing. I have a few more important questions to ask you, okay, which we always ask on the show. Um, if you were training... So if you were still playing rugby or if you were going to the gym, Caroline, or something like that, would you pull your socks up or would you wear them down? Down. Yeah, I bet you've got big calves, Kareem, haven't you? I'm just having a look. Yeah, yeah you've got big calves. What about you, Caroline? I don't know. No, ankle socks, maybe? I don't know. Christoph, what about yourself? Up. 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 Good man, professional. I love that. And if you were, if you're going on holiday this summer, do you wear, you know, the board shorts, like, you know, the long shorts here, or do you wear what we call the budgie smugglers, you know, the speedos, like the swimmers wear? No, a long short. Yeah, the board shorts. What about yourself? Board shorts or the smug, we call them the smuglets, the smuglets, you know. Christoph? Uh, like the, in the 80s. Oh, yeah. the hot pants. I love it. I love it. We, we were lucky enough to be down at the ball for RCL and Paolo, who's president down there, he said the same thing. So you boys are on the same... Uh, the same uh, the same sheet and the last question i'll ask you let's say okay we get to a big final you guys next year and they're going to play some music and you can pick the music that you would like to uh run out to for your uh, match what what music would you run out to myself yeah go on christoph music, what would you go uh, for bob sinclair or something like that bob sinclair <laughs> <laughs> no, no. what about you kareem ACDC Highway to L. Oh, ACDC classic, classic. And what about yourself, uh, oh, Caroline? So more uh, ACDC, yeah. Some ACDC. <laughs> okay, okay. Very good. That's not too bad. That's not too bad. So, um, just to wrap things up, if I want to get involved, if I'm listening into the show, how do I get involved with uh, with you guys? What what avenue? What, how how do we how do we get the the ball rolling here? Who do I need to contact to get in touch? Oh, we got an Instagram account or on Facebook. Yeah. You have an email or a, a phone number to call us. Yeah. LinkedIn, and, uh, we have created a page on LinkedIn for professional uh, interaction. Very good. 
So we'll uh, we'll do our best to uh, to share what's going on. Uh, I'll say down in the world of Terre Rouge, down where the, the soil is red, and uh, keep doing what you're doing, and uh, we'll stay in comms. And uh, this one's for you, Kareem. Here you go. Thank you. Take it easy, guys. Um, we've just joined there by Terre Rouge. I've just run back up the station. We'll take a big breath in. <sighs> this is where retirement's coming your way. Yeah, tell me you? about it. Stop. You sound like my missus <laughs> talking about it. Um, right. I'll cut to the chase here. The real reason I wanted to get Aaron on the show tonight is to really chat to about what's going on with Live Golf and this merger between the PGA. Um, Aaron. Talk to me. I've got, I'm bloody knackered after that. Just leave a move with it open for yeah. you because you've got no breath left. Okay. No, um, I mean, obviously, I was doing a little bit of digging. Um, the PGA obviously formed in 1916. They've sort of had the monopoly, um, you know, on the, the professional golfing world, you know, certainly for a, for a very long time. Quite interesting going into the, you know, uh, the finer details of the PGA. You know, they host nearly 50 events or 47 events a year, which is a lot of golf so you could be playing pretty much um, every week and there's all different ways of uh, you know staying on that tour winning tournaments getting your tour card and all which is very interesting Live Golf is a new professional tour the word live refers to the numer- Roman numerals of 54 the score of every hole in a par 72 course was birdied but you obviously knew that, so I was, I was hoping I'd hit you with the fact that you didn't know, Aaron. Uh, well, but, also the amount of holes they play, because the difference between PGA Tour and Live primarily is an extra round of golf. Is an extra round of golf, so it's uh, it's fifty four holes instead of uh, seventy two. But um, I actually read uh, a brilliant article from a guy from the BBC, a guy called Ian Carter, and he started off when uh, when because I remember you telling me you'd be like. Yeah, Live Golf just bought the PGA. Um, And so he started it off with, when the email dropped, it was like reading an April Fool's Day spoof. You know, so far-fetched was the notion of the established golf tours harmoniously joining forces with the breakaway Live Circuit. And I think you would echo that sentiment, wouldn't you, given all all the press over the last 12 months about... You know, there being real, real disruption. I guess we've uh, we've, we've spoken about the documentary uh, Full Swing, which obviously on Netflix. It took me thirty-four minutes to mention my first movie and uh, film series there, which is good. But um, you know, the um, the brilliant uh, the bit I remember in that uh, series more than anything is when they're interviewing Poulter, and he's like, "I'll tell you what, mate, you've picked a hell of a time to come and start doing the uh, the behind the scenes stuff." So, yeah, Aaron, what do you what do you make of it? So I, th- I think on the, the merger, um, to use a word that's probably not actually correct in the end, we don't know everything um, and that's by design. Um, and what we thought we knew when it was first released is probably not true. Um, and on a personal reflection, I'm not an expert. I just listen to and read too much about this. It's probably not as bad a thing as I thought. And um, what it seems like has happened is you kind of need to remove the idea of live and think of the idea of PIF, which is the public investment fund, which might be familiar to people in other sports outside of um, golf because they are trying, I mean, the accusation has always been that they're trying to sports wash the reputation as a country, um, meaning that they're trying to gain favour from other people through investing in sports, which people are invested in. Um, the biggest example of that is going to be Newcastle. Um, they're, they're the owners of Newcastle. United I saw Football a brilliant, Club. a little brilliant graphic that was um, put out recently. I can't remember where I saw it, but it basically had all the owners in um, all the premiership football clubs and essentially what their valuation or what they were worth, you know. Mm. And the majority of them, it was a casual sort of between 10 and 15 billion. But then you go up to uh, Newcastle, it's something like 230 billion or something. Yeah, I, I think... Bottomless pit almost, isn't wealth it? wealth can't be measured probably um, and they'll they'll invest in more. But uh, so the, the, the PAF, the Public Investment Fund of Saudi Arabia, have... Uh, come to an agreement which gives them a seat at the table in the PGA Tour which it seems like on reflection was always their intention so disruption through live by bringing in something new and trying to bring in a competitor because the PGA Tour as you said has had a monopoly since well, all of my lifetime and since probably the early 1900s oh, Is it fair to say this probably isn't the first sort of breakaway tour and imagine this has happened to it before but certainly not with this 
amount of money, is it? Or? It probably is the first one that's actually managed to gain any traction. Greg Norman tried to do this in the 1990s um, and kind of got shot down when Jack Nicholas and Arnon Palmer were kind of trying to hold on to what they'd formed in the PGA Tour. Yeah. Um, and, and it was Norman again who ended up front in this, uh, sort of trying to... He so seems to hate the PGA Tour, right? Well, he, he, he seems to have a bugbear about... He keeps talking about players being independent contractors and that they should have more autonomy over what they're able to do and therefore and you know choose their own events, etc. And, and so moving away from the PGA Tour would enable him to do that but um, yeah he's been he was a certainly the face of it but he seems to have fallen a little bit into the background now recently as this merger's happened because he's said a lot of controversial things by design but um, yeah so I mean on reflection the PAF's involvement in the PGA Tour and the future of golf seems to be a little more harmonious than you we might have thought when we both heard that news we were pretty much in the same place at the same time um, so it's probably not as much of a shock but I think there's still a lot more to come out to understand exactly what it means for golf generally I mean you're more of a I think the word is purist you know you you love it you would go would you go and watch the PGA would you go and watch Live Golf would you make the uh, you know be like no I'm not going to watch that I don't agree with it or is it just about going and watching golf at the end of the day uh, yeah I probably don't have enough sort of, of a moral objection against the whole idea of where the money comes from because then you have to start looking at well what products do you buy and thinking about your, like every aspect of your life rather than trying to take a stance against who owns a specific sporting league because then you probably couldn't really watch PSG play football you couldn't watch Man City because if you dig down into all of that so yeah no I I, I just I, like you I just watch sport I just want to watch sport and if the best players are playing in a certain place I'll watch that there um, and arguably the Lev Golf probably took the best golfer in the world at the time last year when Cameron Smith won the Open and then sort of signed for them two weeks later he was probably the best player in the world at that time and went there and that kind of shook the ground a little bit but um, they didn't get everybody they wanted Well I remember talking about the numbers that um, Tiger Woods was having apparently allegedly having thrown around at him you know but he's obviously Tiger Woods doesn't need to do anything anymore. Do you know what I mean? Just turn up, and he's getting uh, he's getting paid some serious cheddar for it. There's been quite a lot in terms of the lawsuits, you know, between the the respective bodies and stuff like that. Um, does that all get pushed out the window now? Is that all done and dusted, or how does that work? Because I think the big one is certainly from the golfers who have gone to live. Is they still want the ability to be able to collect ranking points, you know, to you know be able to qualify for majors and stuff like that. But yeah, you sort of feel like they probably knew that this was the overall intention because with them going to live, they knew that at that time they weren't going to get ranking points. But if they knew that down the line, the intention of live or the PIF was to get them involved again with the PGA Tour so that they could get back into that. And that's look looks like what's going to happen, probably not this year, but maybe next, that they can be reintegrated into this sort of ecosystem of golf ranking, which does dictate your ability to take part in majors, etc. They probably knew that. It feels like they knew that. But um yeah, I mean, it's it, it's it's been a really, really disruptive two years for a moment when the sport was probably blooming uh, post-COVID. Yeah. We talked about this earlier, like golf, the uptake of golf post-COVID because it was the first sport you were able to do, the first sport that kind of made sense. You know, it's it's essentially socially distanced walking around a field, isn't it? Um, good, and walk, good walk spoiled, some would say, you know. Yeah. I've Depends how your round goes. A lot, lot of experience of the spoiling. Um, usually do that myself. But um, yeah, so I think um, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next year. But that's, I've been saying that for the last three years. But every time it's what's on the horizon looks a little bit different. Yeah. And now it's just a little bit cloudier than ever. Now, with the uh, in terms of the the format, obviously it's you know the fifty four holes, the seventy two holes. Um, I was obviously doing a bit of research earlier. Now, the PGA don't actually own or you know have the rights to the four majors. Obviously, of the three of them played in the states, you know you've got Augusta, you've got the U.S. Open, you've got the PGA Championship, and then the Open, which is obviously played over in the UK uh, or in Britain and Ireland, if you want to get into that. And then um, the Ryder Cup is also not part of the PGA. So how do you think there's going to be a, a U-turn with regards to that? Because there was a, there was a lot of chat about these guys, you know, like the Lee Westwood, Ian Poulter, you know, Ian Poulter, you know, probably never won a tournament, but arguably a very, very good, um, you know, match play player for, for that sort of thing. Do you think that's going to take a U-turn as well? Will you see these guys come back into the shop window for that? Or is that is that a done deal? I'm going to say no. That's an opinion. Um, and it's based on a couple of factors. Number one, they are not as good at golf as they used to be. Uh, the names that you've just named probably wouldn't get picked on there anyway. Uh, they, they're not earning enough money, they're not playing good enough golf. But the Ryder Cup is a, a sort of 
a venture between the European Tour, the DP World Tour, whatever name it currently has, and the the PGA of America. So there are so many. So the the USPGA, the major, the USPGA is run and organised by the PGA of America. The US Open, which is on at the moment, is organised by the USPGA, which is not the same thing. Uh, yeah, I'm confusing myself. The Open is run by the RNA, and the Masters is run independently. Uh, so each of the majors has its own entity. But uh, to answer your question, if if you had asked me six months ago or a year ago, is it possible that Brooks Kepp could complain the Ryder Cup? But I said probably not. They've all annoyed a lot of people. But right now, he because he can still gain world ranking points through the majors, and he has played so well in the first two majors, he's almost got enough world ranking points to put himself in the team. So there's actually no choice to be made, because regardless of what he's a member of, he's earned enough points through a system that exists to allow him to play. And that would be quite interesting to see. Um, but I think he, by all reports in the media that I um, listen to, he has been trying to get back towards the PGA Tour and away from Liv to get that competitive streak back. Now he may not have to, but there may have been a couple of people who were maybe regretting the steps that they took and trying to trying to walk them back a little bit. And I mean, that's that's what's quite interesting is you you do hear of these guys who maybe a few of the characters from the from the PGA Tour, you know, may move over, maybe over to uh, to live and stuff like that. Is it all, the word I used early on was harmoniously, is it going to be all harmony now or do you think there's still going to be a bit of uh, bagarre as we often talk about on the show? I think it's probably going to be all right. I, I think um, Live Golf is probably fizzling out now. The PAF's move over to the um, PGA Tour and, and their involvement with the PGA Tour is probably going to, we'll, we'll, we'll look back at Live as having been something that happened for a couple of years. Uh, and enabled them to move back towards the PGA Tour. So I don't think the conversation around Lev is probably not that relevant, but what it was is a disruptive force, a disruptive force which changed things and allowed people to make loads of money in the short term and then return to the home that they were already in um, or gave people, like uh, some of the people you just named, a healthy retirement fund probably. Yeah. Um, well, we've got the US the US Open on at the moment. McElroy is... Uh, Still uh, hot, yes, hot on the heels. He's still he's still in the uh, still in the mix with. Um, wait there, I scribbled it all down. Um, the other one I wanted to talk about is this is at the LA Country Club. Very very interesting because I, I think it'd be fair to say that traditionally golf has been very very elitist in terms of the, took it, looking up the sort of catering for the the top end of the uh, of the table. Um, but um, oh, sorry, just to round up. Obviously, you've got Ricky Fowler, and uh, he's he's top of the stack at the moment. And then you've also got Clark, Scheffler, and Johnson, and English all in all in the mix at the moment. So we'll see what happens. Rory's due a major, so hopefully, uh, hopefully he'll uh, he'll go well. But yeah, just bouncing back to the LA Country Club, it's the it sounds pretty pretty uh, pretty rogue sort of place. You know, it's a quarter of a million dollars to be a to be a member there. There. There's uh, you have to wear uh, long pants regardless of the weather. They've got to be tailored. You're not allowed to pay in cash at the club unless it's for tipping uh, or for paying the caddies. But you're not allowed to tip. Um, other forbidden items: clogs, flip flops, warm up suits, leggings, gym attire, t-shirts and jerseys. No clothing containing slogans. Shirts obviously must always remain tucked in. Um, and golf attire is acceptable in the locker room and grill room, but after six p.m. you must wear a jacket in all other areas of the clubhouse even for boys aged over seven so it's pretty uh it's pretty pretty full on so you're allowed to wear here's another funny one you can on a more relaxed note you can wear the brimmed hats you know that maybe you see more on the cricket pitch you can wear them in the clubhouse but they have to coordinate with um with the rest of the outfit now we we've touched on it a couple of times but you talked about how golf had a bit of a boom after uh, after covid you know playing numbers were up and then yeah, everyone, everyone's getting back involved in it. Do you see um, stuff like the women's PGA is obviously going to be played um, is 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 uh, the following week, isn't Absolutely. it? Yeah. Will you ever see that? Will you ever see the men and women not play? Well, obviously, technically, women are allowed to play on the PGA tour, aren't they? Yeah. 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 There have been five or six. Yeah, like Annika Sorensen and, and a few others like that. But would you ever see a tournament where they would actually host the two tournaments together? at a golf course, maybe play with a, a slightly smaller field, but have, you know, the men and the women sort of 
ten off. There are two on the European tour. One okay, of, one of them was two weeks ago. Uh, the Scandinavian mix, they call it. Um, yeah. Last year, uh, a woman won it. Um, so essentially, they play from different tees, but they play as you know, as any other tournament. It's just half and half, male and female. Uh, the good thing for the females about that, especially on the European tour, is that they generally don't make as much money. Um, but because uh, the, well, because that field was a, or because that purse was a, um, a, a mixed purse, then the woman who won it was able to win what the the men would win. So there's a bit little more equity there. And um, the other example of that event is, a, is sponsored by ISPS Handa. It's actually played at my home course in Ireland, um, and that's a mixed event between males and females. Um, I think it's primarily uh, sponsored by Niall Horan, previously of One Direction fame. He's taken yes, a big yes, investment yes, yes. In golf. Um, so there are two events. The PGA Tour hasn't made a move towards that, but um, yeah, there are two events which men and women play together, and um, it's difficult to set the course up to be conducive to the the way each of them play the game because it is very different the way men and men and women play golf in terms of um, well, so many factors to be honest. Distance being the primary one, but um, that has been an attempt at progress and it's been quite good, but. To be honest, it's probably better to try and recognise the women's game in its own right um, because it is really good to watch. There is a lot of quality and for most amateurs, it's more equitable to what we can do than watching the men yeah. because we're nowhere near what the professional men can do. But in terms of ball speed, distances, clubs being hit, most amateurs are going to be more in line with professional females at male amateurs. So, yeah. I mean, it's quite interesting. Obviously, we've spoken a lot about golf and to hear the way you're the thought process that I would maybe implement when I'm talking about rugby, but then to hear you talk about it, even when we were talking in the car earlier about when you're playing a course and you know, you having the knowledge, you know, to, you know, it's, as you say, it's 50% sort of execution and 50% on your on the choice of shot that you make and, and how that can impact it. And yeah, I think if everybody had that sort of th- thought process going into golf, they'd do a lot better. Uh, just one quick one before we get Mr. Perez involved. Obviously, the Ashes has kicked off. It's day three. Obviously, England declared towards the end of day one for th- on 393 for eight with Joe Root getting 100. Johnny Burstow chipping in 78, run a ball. Um, and for the Aussies, line picked up four for 149. And as a spinner, that's not too bad. The Aussies replied with 386. Kwaja got 141, Carey 66, Broaden Robertson both chipped in with six wickets between them. Now, England were 27 for none when rain stopped play. They came back out, they had a bit of a collapse and it's now 28 for two uh, with only 10.3 overs played rain. It has been the close of play so there's still two days. There's going to be a rarity where we might see a t- cricket test match actually go on for five days because the way England have been playing with this Baz ball where they come out and smash the ball to all parts, you know, a lot of games get wrapped up in three and a half, four days so people are are going to get their money's worth for once. Mr. Perez, thank you for uh, joining us this evening. First of all, I guess we'll talk about the uh, the international match yesterday. Yes. Uh, yesterday, Luxembourg, as you know, took Liechtenstein on the third match day of the Euro 2024. Qualifiers and people had some doubts uh, after the performance we saw against Malta last week because it was, as you know, disastrous. And Luke Holtz made some changes in comparison to the friendly game. Like some players, like Maurice, Mamutovic, Marvin Martins and Vincent Thiel came I think back. They, they were always going to come back into it, were they? Yeah, yeah. yeah they were just on duty with their club. While Daniel Zinani was back from suspension. And in the surprise was the attack, as I mentioned last week. Just what you guys, he, like, he, he, hadn't, he didn't have his best performance against Malta. And he, he, he just got put on the bench for Alessio Cucci, who showed some good actions against Malta. And he took his, his, the role of the lone striker. And after a little goal last first half, where Liechtenstein, I swear, they, they started the game better Luxembourg, had some few chances, and I and I saw the same scenario as Malta, because Luxembourg had a lot of chances after this. Yeah. But and they scored like before half time, but it was uh, disallowed because of uh, um offside. Yeah. You know, Luxembourg having some chances, half time ending no no, doesn't remind you this of something? Yeah, like the last friendly game of Malta. They didn't have the same scenario. Let's see. After some changes at halftime, where Bonard, Olesen and Jason Rodriguez came in from Jan Skuchi until Luxembourg became more and more dangerous and got rewarded in the 59th minute when Dana Zinani brought the ball into the back of the into the back of the net, out of two meters after an assist from yeah Jason Rodriguez. And after almost nothing, after this, almost nothing was seen from the guests from Liechtenstein. 
who were dominated in every aspect. If it's defense, attack, you only you only saw one team in the second half, and it was Luxembourg. There was no way for Liechtenstein to come. Back. Uh, where, where, where are Liechtenstein in the in the grand scheme of things? You know, let's yeah, props to uh, to the uh, to, to Luxembourg, obviously winning. But where are they in terms of? Yeah, um, they are they are below us. That's yeah. But I mean, you know, let's be honest. You would expect to beat a team like that, yes? Yeah, yeah. For, like if you look at the expectations we got now for Luxembourg. At first, we should have beaten Malta, a team like Malta. And now, if we had lost like a Liechtenstein, I wouldn't have gone to any of the qualifiers game left. Yeah. But didn't know that before this game, we we haven't won once against Liechtenstein. We lost our four games against them. Really? Yeah, I think last game was 2020, and we lost 2-1 in friendly. And before, we lost like 5-0 yeah, yeah. in 2020. 2004, yeah, 2004. and then Rodriguez obviously scored again later yes, on. Yes, beautiful goal uh, in the ninety, uh, the 89th minute. Yeah, and uh, sealed the game with his 16th goal in the 55th game for Luxembourg, and is together with Leon Mart, the all-time top scorer of the national team. Some people say he's already because when you look at UEFA, because some players in the national team, like in the 40s, 50s, they played against national teams who played their B team. So they played against friends B. Yeah, yeah, B, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. this is recognized by the UEFA. So some people will say, yeah, Just Rodriguez is already the top, uh, all-time top scorer. But for like Luxembourg romantic football fans, we look at the statistic against whatever they against who they scored so for us he's not alone the top scorer but he needs one goal uh, to be the all-time top scorer on his own but if he will play another game that's unknown because I read a story uh, on my way here Vassantilla Sasha Rodriguez could leave the national team because they are unhappy with the actual national coach Luke Holtz and I, I read at L'Essentiel because they feel like some players have privileges to, for example, they can go out longer between the trainings or like, yeah, they feel like some players have more privileges than themselves and they feel like they feel treated, how you say it, unfairly. I mean, I'm just going to speak as an outsider. If I was Rodriguez, I wouldn't be saying anything because yeah. <laughs> he doesn't even have a club at the moment. So yeah. surely you want to keep yourself you know if that's his if that uh, 30 45 minute cameo is all he's got for the last sort of three or four yeah. months of playing it's gonna be very difficult for for but, him to pick up a pick but, up a club but that's just a rumor so if it's true we don't know that, that's just a rumor can i can i just ask you another question did you say who was the other player he said Vincent Till and his brother Olivier Till his how is he um he's on a bit of an exodus at the moment yeah yeah, yeah you know the story you know yeah, the yeah, story yeah yeah because yeah. he, play, he plays in turkey am i right in thinking that yeah 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 and that's interesting and there was another so he's come out and said something more recently which obviously has mm. prevented him being selected and yeah, stuff yeah. so <laughs> it's and, the uh you know it's it's um i don't want to don't want to chuck anyone under the bus here but there's a famous um there's a famous saying used in the All Black setup in the rugby that basically I won't use the language, but it's no Richard Headley's, you know, um, in terms of the people that we we get involved for playing. So it's not my place to say, but you know, it's uh, did those guys are they? You know, Rodriguez obviously hasn't played, but Vincent Till has he been playing regularly? Uh, uh, he started the, he started the game and got uh, substituted at half time, and on the other side you've got Rodriguez who came in at half time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think this this doesn't have an influence. It's more like more the private things with yeah, you know, the breaks. Uh, and when you can go out, etc. But it's just a rumor. If it's true, you don't know. You know the media's. They hear a little story and the media yeah. come out. Oh, we love it. We love it. We love it. I mean, it's this sort of thing. Yeah, he can stay out till midnight, yeah, but he yeah, needs yeah. to be home at half eleven because I know what he's like. You know. But um, that's, that's it. let's move to the national spot a little bit. And before I go to the transfers, I've got a little crazy fact of the day, and it's about Ryan Phillip, a player I mentioned a lot through the season. Not only he's the third best goal scorer. Of Europe with 34 goals in 33 games behind the, behind the two main protagonists Erling Haaland and Kylian Mbappé but he also, he's also the most decisive one with a quote of 1.03 goals per game and let's not forget he's got like 25 assists this yeah yeah, season. yeah absolutely he's been tearing up this year so I'm really happy to see where he's going to play next season because it would be a real surprise if he will stay here in Luxembourg it's like playing on beginner on FIFA you know he's, he's got he's got to try a new experience in, in another country because could it be a case of because I know the Champions League draw is on Tuesday isn't it and could it be a case of he'll play in these qualifiers and then and, and, then, leave. and then see what happens that would be interesting that would you be know? an interesting because when does the transfer window officially close is Luxembourg I've I think I, I'm, I'm not. I'm, I I don't want to. I don't want to 
say something wrong. But stick your neck out, mate. Come on. I think it's in in August, either in August or yeah. in September, because there's some time where you can't uh, you can't do um, transfers in Luxembourg anymore, and yeah. you just you're just allowed to play take players from outside of Luxembourg. Yeah, and then you then you you know you know there's two phases. I mean, but, we've all watched the stuff on Sky Sports News about the last minute transfers and stuff like that, Aaron. But uh, I guess if it, if he's going to move somewhere else outside of Luxembourg, their transfer regulations are going to come in. So most of the world is July first to August thirty, whatever the last day was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but I think but I think it ends in oh, I don't want to say anything we find out for the I next time you come on boss but what have you got in terms of the BGL transfers boss it hasn't been posted lots of news yet so yeah you can call me now let's late news <laughs> but we've got plenty of transfers uh, in these last days we've got Didlonch trio Charles Morin Aldin Skenderovic and David Zinani leave all Didlonch for Hesbranch yeah. as well as their trainer Carlos van Gero who's been replaced by Jamaf Schaffner, who isn't named Luxembourg because he's, he was already an assistant coach for the national team of Luxembourg between 2016 and 2017. And he was last assistant coach for Charlotte FC in the MLS. Oh, in the US. Oh, very yeah. good. And two more transfers for Hesperons are Lucas Correa from uh, Hesperons and David Sputz who played for Rosbach. Then we've got Jonas Ashwell, who has been also active on transfer market, with Andrea Almodio and Gonzalo Almeida both coming from their rival Defadonche, while Antonio Luizzi celebrates his comeback after his transfer to Lindner in 2020. Danielson Fernandez comes from Linster and should help in the defence. And here are some more interesting transfers, with Strassen signing Patrick Teixeira from Petonche, Helio Lopez from Luxembourg City and Bruno Correa from Fola. And we've got two minutes left, so two more the clubs about transfers. We've got Dulange getting Enzo Esposito back from Betonburg after Joubert ending his career. Lucas Fox leaving for Germany. While Kino De Rogge and Luca Rakic are two both new names for this club. What about, I've, are there any from Racing? Because I heard Racing have lost all their money. Is that another rumour in the media, no? I haven't seen anything from Racing. Maybe I missed something, but I, I, I'm I sure that, 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 that I'm coming some some news soon I'm sure about this but last but not least here are some last recruitments from Wills it's Amenestesist Ndongala Matisse Quevrieux Christophe Martin Suarez and the comeback of Dino Mamotovic who was last at tennis club Borussia in Germany that's it for today from Let's First News thanks a lot Anthony we love uh, I love your energy when you talk about it as well and hopefully you've got some more stories for us and uh, as you say keep us up to speed on what's happening with uh, with Ryan uh, Philippe from uh, from Hesperons as well because as you say if he's had that good a season I, I can't see him staying uh, staying in Luxembourg because is he national team qualified? no uh, he's national team yeah He's French so. yeah okay right no, <laughs> but what I mean for, for Luxembourg and stuff he hasn't been capped by Luxembourg or anything no, like that no, no, no. um Aaron, just to jump over, sorry, you're going to go full circle here with the golf. Is McElroy going to do it? Uh, we'll be holding our breath. I'm tempted to go to bed pretty soon, wake up to see it because it's so late in California. Uh, he looks a lot better than he has recently. Um, the two players in front of him aren't prolific winners. He's got Scheffler just behind him. He finished like a train yesterday. I think we'll probably have a good idea after nine. The front nine's about sh- to play two shots easier than the back nine yesterday. If he can get out and get rolling and get a few birdies in the front nine, I think he has the ability to hang on. Cause it, but it's been it's been nearly nine years. That's what uh, I was about to say. It's been a long time, you know, and it'd be good to to see my old dear will be watching. Go on, Rory. Um, but uh, when's the next one then? The next one's the Open. Uh, so the Open's at Hoylake this year, which is actually the last place that Rory won a major. So he's obviously going to win that one. So it'll be back to back. That'd be quite back nice. Back that'd be some uh, going. But yeah, so he won at Hoylake in 2014. So um, that is on the 15th, 16th of July. Yeah. And uh, with the, in terms of the majors, obviously you've got the four of them. Has anybody ever held all four of them? Has Woods done it? Yeah, Tiger did it in 2000, uh, into 2001, but he didn't win them in the same calendar. Uh, that's the, so. No one's ever done it in the same calendar year, have they? I, I want to say no. I I, I should know that. I, I think it's possible that one of the older boys did because it was less competitive. Yeah. And, and yeah, but uh, yeah, Woods carried over when he was just battering everybody in 2000s. See, I, I need you to be able to answer these questions because I'm putting together a pub quiz team. Okay. Know, so we can go and tear up at the golf round and stuff like that. I mean, that those are a popular round at pub quiz. Yeah. There's yeah. always a golf round. I'm, I'm, I'm picking myself just based on movies. You know, Anthony, if you were in my uh, pub quiz team, what would your topic be? Pop quiz team. Yes, you know, like uh, I'll go to a bar and they have a quiz with all the different uh, sp- different rounds, you know, movies, um, 
golf. I don't know what the, I'm struggling for other subjects as geography yeah. and stuff like that. You know, you know me, I just would choose football. Yeah. <laughs> Luxembourg, Luxembourg football. <laughs> we're going <laughs> to dominate the sports round and we're going to finish probably second last. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, no, normally when you do those pub quiz rounds, you get like a, a joker card, don't you? So you can like double your points for rounds yeah, yeah, and stuff like that. Uh, let's say there are 10 points for a sports round. If we double that to 20 and don't get any points and all the rest yeah. of the quiz, we're still going to be nearly last. The important ones, the important ones. If you could uh, give anybody um, a ridiculous stat or a ridiculous thing about golf that they take away from this show what would it be uh so making a cut's a hard thing to do to make it to the weekend you play four days but after two days there's a cut um tiger went through a period of 145 consecutive or thereabouts consecutive tournaments making the cut that means performing at a level that's better than 50 percent of everybody else for 147 tournaments which stretches over a span of, of four probably nearly six years uh, th- that'll never be matched uh, th- basically every stat you hear about Tiger Woods is peerless it'll never be matched but an interesting one I suppose sideways to that is Tiger Woods is chasing Jack Nicklaus's major record he's not chasing too much because he can't really walk anymore but uh, he's chasing Jack's major record of, of 18 wins but in addition to Jack's 18 major wins, he had 20-something second places. That's just obscene. Yeah. So there are a couple of individuals who stand head and shoulders above that. And uh, and how how far, what's he currently sat on at the moment? Tiger? Yeah. Uh, 14. So he's still got a bit of weight. But I mean, obviously, the, one of the ultimate comebacks was his more recent win, wasn't it? You know, That was what took him to 14 and everybody thought, oh, there may be life in him yet. But then he's had more surgeries since then more, and he, he's practically half metal now. I mean, for those of you listening in, chatting to Aaron about Tiger Woods is, uh, is uh, worth it so if you want to get in touch he's not on social media but I can happily dish out his email and contact number he doesn't drink coffee okay and he, he doesn't drink alcohol either so if you want to go for like a diet coke or a five guys we like a five guys we'll don't do we that. We'll do that. but listening to some of the stories you, you come out with one of the ones I loved was you were chatting about how he um, was all about the psychology of um, you know he's massive into psychology and he talk about he could be playing and certain there was a guy he was playing against who would always go down to the practice round at the same time and always play um, out of the same uh, the, sa- bay, the same bay you know when you're teeing off and stuff and he would go down a little bit earlier and deliberately put himself in that bay just to try and knock them out of their sink I think that's absolutely brilliant to hear uh, any small advantage golf's a game of like tiny percentages and Tiger was the master of them yeah there's also a brilliant one of he was playing with Phil Mickelson years ago and they were playing at one of the obviously American events and uh, you know how they come onto the tour and it's like yeah this is Phil Wilson and basically lists off a couple of tournaments he's won and then Tiger Woods obviously comes up and the woman's like and he's won this and he's won this and Mickelson's just like alright 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 we get it we get it um, Aaron it's been an absolute pleasure having you on um, I'm going to have to get you on for another golf episode because I love chatting to you about it and just your your knowledge of it is uh, is absolutely incredible it's, it's a hard sport to make sound interesting but hopefully we've given something out there <laughs> it, it's a boring sport it's fine it's fine that it's a boring sport but when you're inside it you'll see the value absolutely I know you're trying to get me uh, get me into it I think I should move to a sport that's non con contact that would be uh, probably suit me <laughs> Anthony as always very insightful um, that's our wrap for this evening tomorrow from 6 o'clock you've got the Sam Steen show um, as always um, and then you've got Melissa Dalton she's doing the home stretch from 4 till 7 sorry I've missed out Stephen Steps low with the lunchbox at 12 don't forget the legend Dave DB3 Burrows who Aaron I know we obviously know from school he's got his DB3 sessions and then as always you've got the 10 o'clock hangover show with Sarah tap boys it's been an absolute pleasure until next week it's chur let's talk sport with scott brown and nathan snade 